Today's reading, entitled Praise What Comes, is by Jean Lohman. Surprising as unplanned kisses, all you haven't deserved of days and solitude, your body's a moderate good health that lets you work in many kinds of weather. Praise talk with just about anyone, and quiet intervals, books that are your food and your hunger, nightfall and walks before sleep. Praising these for practice, perhaps you will come at last to praise grief and the wrongs you never intended. At the end, there may be no answers and only a few simple questions. Did I love, finish my task in the world, learn at least one of the many names of God? At the intersections, the boundaries where one life began and another ended, the jumping off places between fear and possibility, at the ragged edges of pain, did I catch the smallest glimpse of the holy. Good morning again. It's lovely to see all of your faces and I'm glad you're here with us today. So our theme this month is communion, the practice of simplicity. And I have to say that I love the idea, folk, uh, emphasis on idea of simplicity, that there might be a simple way to live, a simple way to see the world, a simple way of being in that world. The idea that if you just move aside the noise that there are basic facts and core truths to life, I like that idea very much. I'll admit, though, that I often fall victim to the, if I could just fill in the blank, my life would be so simple. Anyone else? I dream of simplicity in my life, in my daily routines, and even in my thoughts and beliefs about myself, about God, and about our world. Because on the other hand, I am really, really good at overthinking really good, truly. I can whip up a frenzy of questions with even the simplest issue. I am that friend that is always putting the cart before the horse, analyzing problems before their problems, trying to prepare for every eventuality before it happens, thinking all the thinking so I will know how to react, or more likely look smart. I never see the forest. I only see the millions and millions of trees. I guess I'm trying to think my way into safety, which in many ways can be a good thing. If you're trying to drive a car and not get in an accident, thinking ahead and being prepared is a good thing. But when you do that with everything, isn't it just another way of trying to control the world? Overthinking often feels oppressive to me, and yet I find myself tangled up in it on a regular basis as a weird way of trying to make sense of the world. And maybe that happens to you too. In our overscheduled, busy, and often frantic lives, we think we have to think of everything, or what, chaos will take over? How many times a day do you th ask yourself, what am I forgetting? Or what else needs to happen today? Or my favorite, oh shoot, what did I forget to do? Well, this past week in New Orleans challenged my overthinking tendencies in surprising ways. 
As I said before, I was part of the group. I was lucky enough to get to travel to New Orleans for the service trip, and it was a wonderful week. I got to be in my home city, and I got to see my family. I got to do some good by helping a man rebuild his home. It was, by and large, a really amazing experience, and I'm so glad I got to do it. That said, <laughs> the trip challenged me in ways I did not expect, and I spent a considerable amount of time outside my comfort zone. I knew we were going down there to help repair someone's home, but I didn't really think through what that meant. So despite what I've just said about being really good at overthinking, I think it's safe to say that I underthought about this trip. Because, so here's the truth. I wouldn't describe myself as particularly good at working with my hands or using a hammer. Um, I am not a fan of ladders or trying to balance myself and other things while I'm on a ladder. Yeah, I'm also, now here's the real truth, I'm, I'm kind of lazy <laughs> and I, I don't really like manual labor. I get tired and bored like, really easily and I don't like to stand and hold things up. I'm a peach, I know, I'm a peach. So I decided to tackle this week with gusto, telling myself that I was here to help, I could do all these things, I could do good work. And I did, I, I actually did, that is true. But I also dropped things, I splattered paint everywhere, they don't even see all the places I splattered paint. Um, I broke a big, big piece of siding in half because I picked it up the wrong way. Um, I almost fell off a ladder many times, I mean many times. I took a lot of breaks. I sat down when I was tired of standing. My feet got sore, I got bruises, and I got splinters. And there were several times when I thought, shouldn't I be having more fun? <laughs> I mean, I wish I could say I found a way to snap out of it. Instead, the reverse happened. And I started to get all in my head with it and overthink all of it. I got discouraged, embarrassed, I was frustrated that I couldn't do it as well as everyone else. I mean, I really worked myself into an overthinking tizzy, telling myself that maybe I didn't belong there. Maybe I wasn't strong enough, and maybe I should have not come and let someone else take my spot. And I got really disheartened when I remembered that I'd have to come home at the end of the week and somehow preach an inspiring sermon about this experience. <laughs> I didn't share my frustrations with the other members of my group because they were awesome and we really were having a great time together. I loved getting to know some of the people in this congregation better and sharing the experience with them and that is all very true. But also I was their ministerial representative. I was supposed to support them and keep them going. This wasn't supposed to be about me and they were all having a great time laughing and joking and not looking nearly as tired as I felt. And I now know why the only thing Nathan really does on these trips is lean on things and drink beer. <laughs> he's, he's himself told me that's what he does. So I'm not, I'm not calling him out. He's told me that himself. And it's because it's really hard work. I get it. So on the plane ride home, I realized how my overthinking really, really got in my way. Sure, I struggled with doing the work, but that didn't mean I shouldn't have gone. It doesn't mean I didn't help. 
I know I helped, and I got to spend a few days with some truly amazing people doing something real that really helped somebody. That is simply the truth, no matter how much my overthinking got in the way. My only regret is that I didn't allow myself to rest in that truth until it was over. This experience got me thinking about how much overthinking interferes with my life. It really is true that some things, not all things, but some things, don't have to be as complicated as we make them. There is an incredible amount of beauty to be found in simplicity, but we often don't trust it. We think that if it's too easy to grasp, that it must be false. I spent much of my time in seminary completely overthinking my own faith. I came into school knowing that I believed in God, but also that I didn't believe in many of the creedal tenets of Christianity, like the virgin birth and the resurrection. I didn't believe that those things actually happened, and so therefore, I thought that meant that I couldn't call myself a Christian. But then, I met other Christians who also didn't believe that, or sort of believed some of it, but didn't believe all of it, and I realized that there was a spectrum, which confused me, kind of still does in a way, but it kind of sent me into a whirlwind, and so I spent almost three years second-guessing and third-guessing my own faith. What did it mean to call myself a Christian if I couldn't be the Christian that I was raised to be, and I didn't, my Christianity didn't look like other people's Christianity? So I read all different kinds of theology, wrestling with this idea of what a Christian looked like according to that person, or that idea of what a Christian should look like. I thought I had to read it all in order to figure out what the capital T truth was, so that I could then create a theologically sound framework to base my faith on. I really did think it had to be that complicated. I thought I had to have all the answers before anyone even asked me a question. And then I was sitting in our chapel service one day, listening to someone read a piece of scripture. I was at a point, much like the end of last week, I was tired, somewhat disheartened and discouraged. I was still wrestling with my faith, but I didn't really feel like I was getting anywhere. I was surrounded by people who seemed very, very sure of what they believed in. And I was starting to question whether or not I should be a minister at all. I mean, if I couldn't get my own faith right, how in the world am I supposed to help other people with theirs? The scripture reading in chapel that day was from the book of Micah in the Old Testament. Micah is one of the minor prophets I had studied in my Old Testament class, so I'd heard the scripture before, but something about the way the student was reading it drew me in. He finished on this passage in chapter 6, verse 8, which reads, But what does the Lord require of you? but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. You know when you hear something profound and it kind of just hangs in your head and you hear it over and over and over again? That passage hung in my head for days. But what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Was that really all that God required of me? Justice, kindness, and humility? What about all that complex theology I had spent months reading? What about all those papers I wrote agonizing over every single word? 
What about sin and salvation or repentance and resurrection? I mean, it couldn't, couldn't be as simple as justice and kindness, could it? So the answer to that question, well, my answer to that question is yes. Faith can be, and for me, is as simple as doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with my God. My faith, as it stands today, is built around that simple truth. My favorite part is walk humbly with your God, because how you, you is that, your God, whatever or whoever your God is. Now, maybe you don't use God language. That's totally fine. Whatever figure or concept you use to express that undefinable source, that power that connects all of us, whether it's love, goddess, community, use that, use any of that. Walk humbly with your goddess. Walk humbly with love. How beautiful is the simple idea of walking humbly with love? What's more, this passage has really helped me knit together my Christian faith and my UU faith. My free and responsible search for meaning is built on an understanding of my calling to do justice and love to do justice and love kindness in this world. And my firm belief is that by doing so, I am walking alongside that which I call God. And that brings me to another simple truth of my faith. I am not alone in this work. God is with me every step I take. Now, does this one passage quiet all of the overthinking about all of those theological questions? Of course not. No, Micah doesn't answer to that because there's no one answer to all of that. But it actually, for me, does something far more important. It is a lighthouse for me when I get lost in my sea of overthinking. It's a foundation for my ever-evolving faith because I know that when I get lost, I can come home to doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with my God. The beauty of that simple phrase does more to draw me close to the divine than anything else ever has. So thinking back to our trip last week in New Orleans, being actually good at the work didn't really matter. Being comfortable on a ladder or holding a hammer was really besides the point. What mattered was that I was there because I was trying to do justice and love kindness and walk humbly with my God. What mattered was that I was living out my faith in the world. My prayer for all of you is that you have or that you might find your own Micah, your own simple expression of faith to guide you through the overthinking of life. In doing so, may you... Embrace the beauty waiting for you as you walk humbly with your love, your community, your God. May it be so. Amen.